if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the 25th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2021. We've got a great show lined up for you, a couple of great guests coming up with some very important issues to discuss. But we are going to start our program today with what we're supposed to start our program with every day. By the way, I want anybody who is an hour one listener, maybe that's you, to know that even though I missed the pledge at the start of hour number one the last two days, I did use it at the start of hour number two. So don't think that I have abandoned my pledge to play the pledge uh, as a salute to our country and as an attempt to tick off and troll all of the left who hate the Pledge of Allegiance. But we start this in uh, solidarity with all patriots and, uh, yes, in opposition to those Democratic members of Congress who refuse to recite the Pledge of Allegiance before Congressional Committee hearings. Everyone stand up and say with me, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Nice job, everyone! Yes, nice job indeed. I had somebody um I had somebody actually request that I play only the adult um pledge of allegiance. I've got a few different versions of it that I play to start our program each day and I've only been doing this a few weeks, but um somebody said they don't like the kid ones. Play the adult ones, it sounds better. And uh I have to explain and I and I disagree. And uh, and and here's why. Um our kids are in great peril. Our kids are are literally being indoctrinated to not have pride in the United States of America. Our kids are literally being taught in public schools, sadly, and in far too many areas of the media... Our kids are are being taught that the the country that they were born into is a bad country. It's a historically terrible country. It's a country that that is is certain people. It's a bad place to be. That's what our kids are being taught. 
And I want the exact opposite to happen. I want our kids to be indoctrinated, if you will, with national pride. Not false pride, but real pride, genuine pride, sincere pride, honestly felt pride. Because the nation that our children are born into is the greatest nation in the history of humanity. Human civilization. It does more. It sacrifices more to save people of all ethnicities. We didn't care what language they spoke in Poland and in France. We didn't care what language they spoke in in, in Vietnam or in Korea. We don't care what language they speak, what ethnicity they are, what color they are. Any of the places where we have gone around the world to try to save lives. And yes, sometimes you have to go to war in order to save lives. And we do that. We don't care about the color of the skin of people in our country or around the world when we send billions and billions of dollars in foreign aid to people after horrific natural disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, or just people who are starving around the world. This country is the greatest force for good in the, in the history of humankind. And our children are being taught something that is exactly the opposite of that. So I, I like the idea of the children saying the pledge. I want to indoctrinate them with national pride. And if you want to call that brainwashing a kid, that's fine. Call it what you want it. Call it what you want, rather. It is, it is brainwashing only insofar as we are trying to undo the damage that is being done to them by our public schools. As our kids are taught the exact opposite about what this country is. How many people sacrifice their lives so that equality could happen here and around the world? That any of the sins of our past be rectified and reconciled. I mean, all of the different things that this country has stood for. I'm sorry, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here. I didn't intend to start my show with National Pride, but I do start the show with the Pledge of Allegiance. And I want you to understand why I'm going to feature kids from time to time stating the Pledge of Allegiance. Because I think it's extremely important that we all do that. That we, we try to instill national pride in our children. So that they're proud to put on a shirt that's red, white, and blue. So that they're proud when they, and they know to stop what they're doing and stand at attention, hopefully hand over heart, if they hear the national anthem play, being played anywhere. At a ball game or at an event of any kind. I think it's extremely important. We have to push back and counter the narrative that America is a force for evil. And we need to replace that with the truth that America is a force for goodness and a force for greatness, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about the tangent there. But I do. I have a story on this, truthfully, that it, totally unplanned. This is, All my show prep is going out the window right now because I'm chasing this. But I'm going to do it. There is a story that I will share with you today about um, uh, a young high school student in Virginia. It's a very small school. Uh, And it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It's a perfect example. In a small school in Virginia, and this is a Daily Wire story, and I read this last night, um, 107 kids in 8th through 12th grade, so very small school. What's that average out to? About what? Uh, You know, 15, 20 kids a class. Um, 
whatever the number is. Um, Julia Saville was a senior, is a, a junior there, rather, a junior at this high school, St. Margaret's High School in Tappahannock, Virginia. Now, this isn't a public school, so don't let that confuse the part of the story. I just talked about public schools. But nonetheless, this is what is being done. This is how deep the indoctrination runs. So she's a junior there, and it's a small school, like I said, and there's a chapter. She's a chapter leader, in fact, of, uh, of uh, Turning Point USA at that school, which is a conservative organization for young students, which is wonderful and so very necessary. That's Charlie Kirk's organization. You, of course, hear Charlie Kirk uh, here every day at, uh, at noon. So Julia Seville is a chapter leader for there, and she is also um, a black girl, and she joined her school's black student union. At least I'm assuming she's a black girl, or she wouldn't be allowed to join the student union. I've got to verify that. Here's the story. She's a chapter leader for Turning Point USA and joined her school's black student union to diversify her understanding of cultural issues, particularly in light, light of the Black Lives Matter movement. I know there have been a different perspective on things, she told the Daily Wire. I just wanted to get their perspective and understand their experiences on campus. The Black Student Union assigned its members to present on Black Trail of Black History Month. Okay, The presentations were sent out to the school in honor of black accomplishments. Okay, For her part, Seville chose Candace Owens as her black trailblazer. Well, on Wednesday last week, the 17th, Seville was scheduled to present on her chosen black trailblazer. When she awoke that morning, she received an email from a classmate condemning her for choosing Owens as her black trailblazer. The email wasn't just sent to her. It was sent to all staff and students in the entire school directory. Quote, I'd like to address some falsified information here, it read. Candace Owens is not someone we should be recognizing today, especially during Black History Month, when she has done absolutely nothing for the black community. Owens was called a racist because she was, the email read. Candace Owens openly tried to degrade the struggles of the black community by telling the general public that America is not a racist country and that everyone who believes it is is trying to divide America. End quote. That's the line. That's the reason I'm, I'm chasing this rabbit right now. Um, this story struck, struck me when I started doing the Pledge of Allegiance. The message from the student in the school, which was sent to everybody, is, of course America's a racist country. And, of course, anybody who says that it is not a racist country is simply a racist. And that's what they called Candace Owens, who's a black woman. And anybody who says that America is not a racist country is, or, excuse me, um, I'll just give you the quote again here. Uh, Telling the general public that America is not a racist country and everyone who believes that it is is trying to divide America, end quote. This is what is being force-fed into a lot of our kids' heads. In fact, almost all of them. America is inherently evil, bad, racist. Candace Owens, of course, has stepped up and said, no, it isn't. It provides equal opportunity. It's the greatest place for anybody in the world who is black or brown or some other minority color to come to this country. Uh, it is the greatest opportunity in the world for them to succeed, to become rich, to become happy. It's the greatest place in the world. There is not one other country that a person, including and especially black majority countries, 
on the continent of Africa, for example. There is nowhere in the world that a, that a person of color can go and have a greater opportunity to do great things for themselves and their families than the United States of America. And if you say that out loud, you are a racist. This is what the, the, the message here is. So the classmate proceeded to reprimand Seville by calling her disrespectful for this action. I feel as though this was not only disrespectful that you added her to the list of trailblazers, she wrote. It's offensive that you sat down, thought about it, researched her, and thought it was okay to do this. The email contained a a receipt, if you will, which allegedly proves that Owens has not contributed enough to the black community. The receipt was a tweet from Candace Owens in which she uh, repeated that she is not ashamed to support former President Donald Trump. Quote, just a quick tweet to remind all of you leftists that I have zero shame about having supported at real Donald Trump for the last four years. And I stand unapologetically with every patriot in this country. Your smears have and will continue to inspire me. I will never be silenced. Now, Seville, the student who chose Candace Owens as her black trailblazer, believed that this was an internal club issue that could have been dealt with internally. Instead, it was blasted to the entire school, and now she has been labeled a racist for merely sharing the story of a prominent black woman like Candace Owens. As part of the project, Seville also had chosen three other black Americans to present, including neurosurgeon and former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and Harriet Tubman. The Black Student Union took no issue uh, uh, took no issue with other the other with the other choices excuse me but according to seville she had a friendly relationship with the student who suggested her choice of focus for the presentation we've had conversations nothing political and argumentative i wouldn't say we were friends but there was no bad blood between us until now a copy of the presentation obtained by the daily wire shows that seville's presentation focused on candace owen's faith journey a pretty appropriate subject for discussion at an Episcopal school and navigating racist threats and struggles with an eating disorder. When Candace was a senior in high school, she received three racist death threats that impacted her life forever. She says she overcame this through prayer and finding God. The Seville family told the Daily Wire that no one at the school bothered to reach out to them following the incident. Bob Seville, her father, told the Daily Wire that he spoke with the head of the school in hopes that the school would clarify that his daughter is not a racist, but, quote, nothing is being done at all to correct the situation. There are no consequences to the student blasting a slanderous email to the entire school calling his daughter a racist. She has since opted to leave the school, claiming the incident was icing on the cake. I just decided it was best for, wasn't best for me to be there anymore and surrounded by people like that. I didn't feel threatened, but it's definitely uncomfortable when you know that your peers all feel a certain way and don't like me simply because of my political views. So that's just, a, you know, I didn't intend to start to show with that story. It just worked that way with the pledge. When I tell you that our children are in serious, serious jeopardy, if they express any dissenting point of view, such as national pride, or support for a black person who's a conservative-minded person like Candace Owens or Clarence Thomas or Ben Carson. If they are canceled, if they are attacked, if they are minimized, if they are um, you know, made to feel uncomfortable, all of the things that they do simply for expressing themselves as being supportive of somebody that the leftist orthodoxy that does not support 
then we have to fight back against that with everything we have. And I believe it starts with, yes, indoctrinating our children with national pride. Infuse that into them, into their brains. They're going to need it. All right, 922, we'll get to the rest of the stories and our guests coming up right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 927, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. So uh, I didn't even get a chance to give you our guest today. Coming up in about now eight minutes, we're going to talk to Dave Ray at the Federation for um, American Immigration Reform. Uh, Dave is going to talk to us about the extraordinary um, policies and plans being put in place by the Biden administration, not the least of which is the 100-day moratorium deportations, not the least of which is the ending of the return to Mexico policy. Uh, not the least of which is the uh, deconstruction of the border wall, not the least of which is the reuse and reopening of the detention facilities for minor children, called by the media today detention facilities for minor children, called by the media in the last four years kids in cages. (laughs) It's just... If you were ever looking for verification, when people say to you... Oh, what is this stuff about the mainstream media being biased? You're making that up. The mainstream media is not biased. You just don't like it, blah, 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 blah. If they're ever looking for evidence, seriously, show them the headlines of articles about the uh, migrant children being detained at our border, being kept in shipping containers with bars on the windows or fenced-in areas being called migrant facilities for children as opposed to the same exact things being used during the Trump administration and then being called kids in cages. Oh, my goodness, the bias is just so thick. Um, at any rate, we're going to talk to Dave about that. Coming up at 1010 this morning, we're going to talk to our friend Dr. Everett Piper. He is going to have some thoughts on today's big vote. We talked about this yesterday with Pastor Chris Long, and today Dr. Piper will join us to talk about it. Uh, the vote in the House today on the Equality Act. We will find out whether or not our chosen and elected representatives believe that girls really exist or they do not, that females are a real thing or that they are some sort of mental construction or social construct, uh, because that's essentially what this is going to do. It's going to eliminate females uh, to being, you know, in, in terms of what they actually are, and it's going to turn them into just whatever somebody feels like. And if they feel like a female... Well, then they get to be treated like a female. Uh, By the way, side story, this isn't even related to the Equality Act. This is a private business, uh, or it would be uh, two private businesses, rather. A California state bill, a piece of legislation that's going to be pushed forward, would fine stores, retail stores, $1,000 if they choose to recognize the difference between boys and girls. If they identify boys as boys and girls as girls, the store will be, will be fined. And this will be judged by their toy sections. If there are separate boys' toys and girls' toys, they will be fined. Everything must be cross-gendered or non-gendered, all toys. And this is going to be in the state of California. 
Just keep that in mind. We'll talk about that coming up, uh, like I said, with Dr. Piper at 1010 this morning. So Dave Ray, Dr. Everett Piper, our guest, and you, of course, can join us when you're ready at 216-901-0945. And now the news on The Authority. Maybe did say spinning. Okay, 935. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you joining us this morning. We are joined now, as promised, by our good friend from FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, Dave Ray, back with us. Dave, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. Doing great. Happy uh, Thursday to Northeast Ohio. I'm sure it's bright and sunny, and everyone's happy to be outside. Well, most of the snow did melt. I will give you that. Most of, we, we've had a ton of snow over the course of the last week or so, uh, but most of it did melt. We had a nice day yesterday, and I can actually see grass in my yard today, yeah. so uh, that's, that's uh-huh. a good sign. Uh, I was being facetious. I get the daily weather report for Northeast Ohio <laughs> from my mom, so I, 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 I was being a little uh, tongue-in-cheek there. Dave, uh, we got a lot of work to do here, my friend. My goodness yeah. gracious. Um, I want to start with, there's a number of issues here that I want to talk to you about with respect to the Biden policy. I want to get Fair's perspective on the Biden policies uh, with respect to immigration reform, which they continue to push right. for. But I want to start with um, a letter that was written by the National Guard leader, National Guard general, actually, in the state of Arizona, that was that was written and sent to FEMA, essentially saying, we are in trouble uh, looking yeah. at the, the gathering crowd of migrants at the border and the thousands that are on their way, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Arizona border with Mexico, he said, we are about to be overrun. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, attacked, like, but, but just too right. many coming in and we will not have anywhere near enough facilities. They are going to need medical care. They're going to need, uh, all kinds of things and food and water and shelter and this and that and the other because, Joe Biden has essentially sounded the clarion call. You know, it's like he'd be blew into the into the into the conch shell and called all migrants around the world, come now, get in while the getting's good, because we're going to legalize you and give you a path right. to citizenship in short order. And here they come. And this guard leader, this guard general, is telling FEMA, um, our, our our national guard troops can't handle this. Uh, ICE right. can't handle this. In fact, ICE doesn't police the border anyway. That's Border Patrol. We can't handle this. We're going to need right. literally federal emergency management down here. And that lets you know how dangerous this situation is, Dave. Go ahead. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, the general asked uh, FEMA for the federal government to pump the brake on dismantling of all the enforcement mechanisms that were in place um, by the Trump administration. I mean, this has been an enormous self-inflicted wound by the Biden administration when they chose to take a wrecking ball to the portfolio of enforcement strategies that were in place that really knocked immigration out of the news for the last year of the Trump administration. I mean, if you just think about what's happened uh, with a stroke of a pen under Joe Biden, uh, they, they attempted to put a halt to all deportations for 100 days, although that was uh, temporarily halted by a uh, Texas judge. They've revived catch and release. They've now released 25,000 people who are waiting for their their hearings in Mexico into the U.S. Uh, they've been um, uh, letting detained aliens out of custody, stopping new construction on the border wall, uh, bringing in thousands of asylum applicants, uh, and then releasing them into the U.S., uh, removing most of the enforcement uh, uh, duties for immigration and customs enforcement, meaning once that you get into the interior of the country, you are scot-free. I mean, if you have immigration and customs enforcement, ICE, and you take the E out of it, the enforcement, you're left with ick. And that really is what we have, uh, you know, uh, 
trying to manage the immigration crisis created by Joe Biden. The, the real question is, why would you do this to yourself and to your country? We already are in the middle of two national crises, one an economic crisis with Americans unemployed at record levels, and the other one in a global pandemic. And that was another thing that the general spoke about uh, in his letter is that, you know, Arizona is in a health crisis right now. One of the first things you want to do when fighting COVID is containment. And, uh, you know, so (laughs) it's kind of the antithesis of containment to destroy any ability you have at controlling your borders and watching, you know, tens of thousands of people rushing into the country. We're talking to Dave Ray with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Let's talk um, about a couple of those policies specifically. You just mentioned inviting all of those or 25,000 of them who are waiting to have hearings in the United States who were told to wait on the other side of the border where they should be. Right. Uh, you know, uh, by the Trump administration now being, uh, now being allowed in. What, what are the percentages? Dave, you used to have them, or maybe you still do. Fair had them, the percentages of people who are, um, uh, released into the American population and told you have to come back for your hearing, uh, uh, at a certain time and date. And what is the percentage of them that actually return? Well, you know, so this is, we're referring to the catch and release policy and what was happening for years prior to President Trump taking office is that people would cross the border illegally, say the words political asylum. If you have a child with you, uh, you're guaranteed that you can't be held for more than 19 days, and then you're released into the interior. We estimate that 30 to 40 percent of those people uh, who have asked for political asylum never even bother to fill out the paperwork. Another 30 to 40 percent don't show up for their hearings. What this means is that when all is said and done, Roughly about 90% of these people, I mean, they're just gimmicking the system. They're saying the words. They know that they're not fleeing political persecution. I mean, if your whole thesis of your argument is, I am a Guatemalan and I'm being persecuted by my government in my country of Guatemala, then the first question would be, who was persecuting you in Mexico? Uh, the government of Mexico? I don't think so. In fact, Mexico <laughs> was, was telling these folks, you can stay here and ask for asylum and we'll give you work visas. What they want is they want to immigrate to the United States by any means necessary. They're going to cut their way to the front of the line. They're not going to wait their turn. There's not going to be a background check on them. And they're hoping to just simply be released into the interior of the country. I mean, on top of everything that I told you, Bob, think about, you know, the optics of on top of completely dismantling everything we have at the border. The Democrats this week announced a mass amnesty for everyone who's been in the country illegally since January 1st, 2021. I mean, these are like people who have deep roots in the United States, right? Like two months worth of deep roots. I mean, it's talk about incentivizing illegal immigration and people uh, are responding. I mean, illegal aliens are just like the rest of us. Uh, They are rational individuals who make rational decisions. And right now, the thought is, is that if you can get in the United States, uh, get your foot across the border by any means necessary and uh, you know, hunker down and, and, and remain here, that eventually you're going to be uh, receiving that amnesty as well. Um, and, and all the people who are playing by the rules and waiting at home and waiting for their numbers to come up to legally immigrate here are actually being played as the fools. 
Dave, talk to me about the numbers. You and I talked about this off the air. Tucker Carlson did a really, really extensive piece on this last night. And I won't give all right. the details, except that at the end of the segment that he did, he cited um, a Harvard and MIT joint study, a joint effort, mm-hmm. uh, to determine how many illegal aliens are in this country right now. Because literally for 15 years, they have been saying 11 million, 11 million, 11 right. million, which, as you and I have talked about many times, um, are you kidding me? If it was 11 million right. 15 years ago, that is to believe that just as many have left as have arrived over the last 15 years. And we know that every year there are thousands and thousands and thousands of more being added. So they, they did a study... And at the end of the day, they they plugged into and I'm not a mathematician and I'm not and I'm not Harvard or MIT uh, quality in terms of my academic abilities, but I'll just tell you what they found: that over a million trials, they 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 put together models based on mm-hmm. population, based on all of the statistics as they are known, and they ran a million different trials uh, using those models to determine mm-hmm. how many. And what they came up with after a million attempts is that the belief is that the number of actual illegal aliens in this country is somewhere between 16 million and 29 million, with the mean of the 1 million models used being 22 million. So it's literally, if you can trust that, and why not? Nobody else has anything else better. If you believe that, it's double what they are saying at 11 million. It's 22 million illegal aliens here. So the reason I wanted to hit that, um, obviously, Dave Ray, is to say if these people are given not just the mass amnesty you're talking about, but also the pathway to citizenship, and they all become voters, you have all of the evidence that you need to know that this is not about... um, you know, uh, being being uh, compassionate. It's not about trying to save people who are uh, suffering from oppression in other countries. It's about generating more. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I'm not going to get into the numbers debate, Bob. I will mention that FAIR's number, and our researchers stand by this, is 14.5 million illegal aliens at a cost of $116 billion annually to U.S. taxpayers. And our researchers did look at the Harvard stats, and they had a lot of issues with them. Uh, With that said, uh, whether you're talking about 14.5 million or 20 million people, the political impact of a mass amnesty cannot be understated. I mean, if you recall, prior to the 1986 amnesty, California was a state where Republicans could actually get elected. I mean, you know, they produced Ronald Reagan. uh, They had uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, they had a, the California Republican Party was a very strong party. The 86 amnesty was roughly about three and a half million people. It completely, and, and I will say possibly forever, changed the, the, the face of California politics. And now in some parts of California, Republicans have trouble getting elected as dog catcher. An amnesty, now the amnesty that the Democrats are proposing now is between three and four times the size of what the 86 amnesty did and if you look at states like texas that are you know some people say it's turning purple well this will put rocket fuel on that i mean the center for immigration studies suggests that uh uh, estimates that about 65 percent of newly arrived immigrants uh once they become citizens register as democrats the reason is is that they often tend to be poor and are having a hard time making it and thus need the programs that the Democrats are so happy to offer them. I mean, this is uh, this amnesty is nothing more than a move by a party that recognizes that it is hemorrhaging 
uh, Americans and and uh, legal immigrants uh, who no longer want to support their way out their policies, including wide open borders and decriminalizing uh, illegal immigration, and they're, they they need to import a new class of would-be Democrats, and that is exactly what is going on here. Any Republican who gets on board with this uh, amnesty idea pushed by the Democrats might as well be committing suicide for for both themselves and their party because it is going to be a, a real bad time for Republicans and a real bad time uh, for, for Americans who are opposed to socialism because that is really what what the Democrats seem to be pushing right now. Let's also hit this, Dave Ray. Uh, great information there, by the way. And by, I, missed, I made a mistake. It's not Harvard. It was Yale and MIT. Yeah, and, uh, right. Yeah, Yale and MIT, they ran the uh, the one million. And by the way, they just said, and I understand you said that uh, Fair found a different number, but with the one million simulations of the model, they say with a 95% probability range that the number is right. between 16 and 29 million with 22.1 million as the mean. So I just wanted to clarify right. that. Uh, yeah. let's, let's pivot to the national security part of this. Um, what is FAIR's stance or take on the Biden 100-day uh, moratorium on deportations of even people who have committed some violent crimes? And the fact that earlier this week, a federal judge put an indefinite ban or hold on that right. order. But that's uh, but that's what Biden tried to do. Obviously, a judge um, uh, responding to a lawsuit filed by the attorney general in Texas, I believe it was, said at first it was just a two-week ban on the order, and now it's an indefinite right. ban because obviously, you know, the judge recognizes what the Biden administration does not, that we cannot do that. Right. I mean, this was a judge from Texas who said uh, this is going to have detrimental uh, effects on both the United States and Texas specifically, uh, that, that these are, and it goes outside of the president's ability. I mean, this violates uh, immigration law passed by Congress. These are people who have had their time in court, paid for by U.S. taxpayers, who have lost their cases, who are in line to be deported. Some of these folks are even criminal aliens. And Joe Biden decided he was going to put a 100-day stay on that uh, to, to, quote, examine the problem the same way he's, quote, examining the border uh, problem as he's, you know, busting down every apparatus we have to control the influx into the country. So thankfully, the judge has put an indefinite hold on this and uh, will force the Biden administration eventually to defend this idea in court where I think their position will fail. And it, it just shows how radical the thinking is. And why would you, you know, the Biden amnesty that we talked about also includes people who have been deported, it would bring them back into the United States and give them an amnesty as well. I mean, this is how out there this idea is. On top of all of that, there's barely a mention of immigration enforcement. In fact, they are trying to dismantle ICE by memorandum. Like I said, they're taking right. all the enforcement abilities away from ICE. So uh, you know, they're, they're removing any ability of the nation to control any type of mass influx of people of whom we know nothing about. Remember, people who are coming here illegally, they haven't had a criminal background check. They haven't had a health screening. Hello, we're in the middle of a COVID crisis. We just released 25,000 people. I would be willing to bet they did not have a COVID test into the interior of the country. While we're telling our fellow citizens that they should think twice about traveling state to state. This is insanity. It's insanity on a massive sale on a massive scale, and it's yeah. a self-inflicted wound by the Biden administration at a time that this nation can least afford it. 
no question about it. I want to encourage people to uh, subscribe to the FAIR newsletter. I get these every day or whenever news uh, press releases are are sent out. And yesterday's uh, does highlight the history of failed amnesties in this country. You talked about something yeah. from the very beginning, and I want people to see these things. So subscribe to the FAIR um, newsletter, and I guess you can just do that at FAIRUS.org, right? Yeah, check us out at fairus.org. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are 100% tax deductible. We're at fairus.org on Twitter at hashtag fairimmigration or on Facebook at Federation for American Immigration Reform. Join the fight to save America's future. There are a lot of great uh, uh, immigration-focused organizations out there uh, that are engaged in this fight, and nobody does it better than FAIR. Nobody is more dedicated, nobody is more thorough than FAIR on every avenue of immigration and illegal immigration in this country. Dave Ray uh, always represents well. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day, buddy. You got it. You too. Thank you. 9.52, so we will take our time out here. Come back. If you want to get a phone call in, this is a good time. 216-901-0945, we got Everett Piper joining us after the top of the hour. So if you want to squeeze it in, do it now on The Authority. Okay, 9.56, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate Dave Ray with uh, for shining the spotlight on what's going on. It's a very dangerous thing right now. The Biden administration is erasing national sovereignty, is encouraging the a new influx of, uh, of um, migrants to our southern border. And I didn't even talk to Dave in any depth about the uh, hypocrisy of using the detention facilities for migrant children that they once called kids in cages now being called detention facilities for migrant children. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible hypocrisy here, and it's a double standard. The media will not call them out for it, other than somebody like Peter Ducey. Give Peter Ducey credit. I don't like his father at all on Fox and Friends in the morning. He's kind of an idiot, but Peter Ducey is a pool reporter covering the White House, and he has asked Jen Psaki day after day about this, and he has pinned her into a corner. She has no explanation. Madam Circleback cannot defend the use of the same exact facilities, no matter how hard she tries. But again, when the cages are built by Obama, it's Democrat-approved. When the cages are used by Obama, Democrat approved. When the cages are used by Trump, Democrat outrage. When the same cages are used again by Democrat Biden, Democrat approved. It's simply astounding. Uh, TJ is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, go ahead. You know, Bob, it's not just dangerous with this immigration. I just heard last night where some Democrats want to take the nuclear football away from Joe Biden. That's right. Now, tradi- traditionally, only the president has the, the launch codes. Now, they don't trust their own man with the launch codes. This is scary to think about a man with severe dementia walking around now with our nuclear launch codes. You know, this potato head is liable to start a, lu- a nuclear war. I mean, and when their own Democrats try to stop them, and all I can tell these libtards, elections do have consequences, and what you just did to this country electing this group in there. I don't know if we're ever going to recover, Bob. I um I don't know their stated reason for it. Um, you know, I try to be fair, even though I am clearly conservative. I try to be fair. Um, it's possible, or let me ask you if you have the opinion of this, TJ. Is it possible that what they're saying is is 
in terms of his health, not his mental faculties, but in terms of his health, um, that we need to have somebody else have those codes on backup. What if he dies? He's old. He is obviously not well. What if What if the, the only man who knows the nuclear launch codes dies? Then what? Um, I'm wondering if that's why they're saying maybe they should give up the soul power thing and share that with somebody else. Any thoughts? Well, in, in case of a death of a president, the vice president would take over immediately and receive the uh, nuclear football. Uh, no time ever did other people other than the commander-in-chief uh, possess them codes. This, they're doing this because they're worried what this guy might do with them. I mean, the man has dementia, Bob. He has the ability the single ability to start nuclear war, and he's walking around half-brain dead. This is really scary. And even their own people are seeing this, but the Constitution, I don't think, is going to allow them to change that unless they get rid of them. Yeah, well, and, you know, it's, it is very clear. It's weird. You know, we, we saw during the campaign all of his appearances and interviews, and, the, and just from the basement, even his little things where he's got, you know, big old teleprompters in front of him, and he still can't speak coherently, and we thought what a ridiculous joke it was. You know, clearly his mental faculties are, are failing him. But, you know, you th- you'd think when the stress of the campaign is over and he's able to have everything scripted out for him the way that he is now, that he would be better. But he sounds worse every time he speaks now. Uh, so I can understand the point. I can understand the fear that maybe his mental uh, acuity is simply not there, and maybe that's why they want to, uh, want to um, you know, cede some of that sole authority uh, to somebody else in the administration. Uh, and they knew that Bob real... before the yeah they knew that they before they elected him. Of course okay, they, they did. just all they did all he was was a Trojan horse to get these uh, commies in power. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I they, don't they, doubt they that at all. He had, he had uh, mental problems. I, I mean, don't doubt that at all. I've said the same thing, TJ, and uh, and maybe now we're starting to see the first uh, little evidence of that. TJ, thanks for the phone call. I do appreciate it. The letter written by over thirty Democrats, by the way said, as president, two of your most critical and solemn duties are the security of the country and the safeguarding of its nuclear arsenal. Um, however, vesting one person with this authority email, or excuse me, entails real risks. Past presidents have threatened to attack other countries with nuclear weapons or exhibited behavior that caused other officials to express concern about the president's judgment. They are now concerned about this president's judgment or at least mental acuity, and that's why they are writing this. So it is very, very telling that Democrats are, are the ones who are firing the first shots, if you will, about Joe Biden's fitness to be in office. All right, we'll get our news now. We'll come back with Dr. Everett Piper on AM. 